Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of, lots of guests. Uh, Christmas music is in for sure. We'll be hearing plenty of it today. Top five countdown and more besides. And we're delighted to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's begin today with a very good friend of ours because you see COP28. It's not in this part of the world. And with everything else that's going on in the world, I'd say it's fallen a little under the radar. But we've been talking about it for a number of years. It's crucial to the future of humankind and this planet. And a man who works in this area, and he's a smile from ear to ear, and he's going to tell you why in a minute. We're delighted to have him with us today. CEO of Development Perspectives, Bobby McCormick. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to be here, Jerry. Thanks for having us. And that smile, let me tell them why. You see, at the Northeast Business Excellence Awards at the weekend, Development Perspectives picked up the most prestigious award for environmental and biodiversity, the biggest category the biggest entries in the category and a big decision for the judges. Congratulations, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, we're delighted. Yeah, really honoured to get that award. And like you say, I think it's, from our point of view, a really important one to get. Mm. Oh, listen, enjoy it and enjoy the acknowledgement. I'm sure the trophy will be displayed centrepiece yeah, in the Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it was a lovely recognition. The team that were there on the evening got a real kind of joy out of it. So it was lovely to see them celebrated. It's, it's very much a collective effort. And of course, uh, with COP on at the moment, it's timely that you join us today. It is a bit under the radar, Bobby, and probably because of the war in the Middle East, the Ukraine situation... God, this world of ours is just topsy-turvy, isn't it? It feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, there's an awful lot going on, both in Ukraine, Palestine, and in an Irish context. I mean, last week's events were, were horrific Dublin, too. Yeah. So so I think there's an awful lot going on. But like you say, the bigger picture, COP28 is kicking off tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's not a football game. It's a bit more important than that. But yeah, there's a lot resting on, on how it goes. It's uh, the Conference of the Parties. It starts tomorrow. 197 nations plus the EU as a block there as well. So it is really substantial. I suppose the first thing to say, it's in the United Arab Emirates who have built their wealth and everything else besides and all the football clubs and everything they have on the back of oil. Absolutely. And I don't think there's any denying that, that uh, there's a lot of critics that would say, why host it there? Why have COP28 in the United Arab Emirates? Of course, there's another view and the other view is that like we're better to hold it essentially because they need to change what they're doing and the, the fossil fuel industry needs to really be kind of amended from top to bottom, arguably taken apart. But I, I do see that some would see it as an effort to kind of, yeah, greenwash the efforts. And that's been said. This is the thing they say, look, they are saying they're committed to moving in this direction. But on the other hand, they're selling petroleum products to uh, other parts of the world that you know does it can it can can both sit comfortably together Bobby well I think they are sitting but for me it's uncomfortable I have to say that I think last week we, we saw some of the details emerge that some of those involved with the organization of the the conference that they were also you know having side meetings around certain deals that would be done so I think it's a missed opportunity not to have it somewhere else I'd like to see it held in countries that are making huge efforts to reduce their carbon emissions but yeah sadly it, it is what it is I still think that the content of the conference is hugely important irrespective mm. of where it is and and that for me should be the focus of our attention 
the countries that have signed up to attending, you know, need to, to really double their efforts, I would say. Mm, because there is no doubt things are changing. And you mentioned, you know, about what happened in Dublin as part of the topsy-turvy world. But look at our own climate here. Look, look, look at what's happened in even recent, the last couple of months. With the, the, the rain we've been experiencing. We're talking to farmers yesterday in the northeast, potato growers who've mm. never seen anything like it. Yeah, and it's a, sadly a sign of things to come. I mean, this should be no surprise. The extreme weather events that we've been flagging for a long time are here. Uh, we saw, you know, shots of Termin Fecken of the, the kind of road down to the Pitch and Puck course down there to the Strand. I mean, I haven't seen shots like that, images of that of that area. So I, I think it's a sign of things to come. When we see the, the modelling that's done into the future by lots of different academic centres, it should give us cause for concern. Um, with, with the amount of carbon that we're still putting up into the atmosphere, we know that we're going to have sea level rises, which means essentially we're going to have far more extreme weather events. We're a small little nation on the periphery of Europe, but we've got to do our thing as well. We've all got to contribute, no matter where we are in the world. But when you look at the big players, you know, the Chinese, the the Americans, you know, Russia, such a vast nation as well, Europe itself, you know what I mean? And and, and what we put up there into the atmosphere, there's, there's a lobby that doesn't really want to change, wants to, you know, live for today and not be concerned about the future or the generations coming Completely. in the future. There are stakeholders that don't want us to lessen carbon emissions. There are vested interests that don't want that to happen, but it's at the cost of future generations. When we talk, though, about, you know, the, the biggest emitters in the world, I mean, Ireland is the third worst emitter per capita in Europe behind Luxembourg and, and Iceland. So Ireland, if you think of County Mead, I mean, we'll have many listeners today, Jerry, tuning in from County Mead. County Mead has a population of around 195,000 people and has got 10 times the emissions of a country like Liberia and West Africa, who's got a population similar to the country of Ireland. So we've got a small county with a small population emitting a carbon budget that's 10 times the amount of a country in West Africa. There's a deep injustice in this. And and absolutely, you talked about America and Russia and China. These are, you know, emitting huge amounts of carbon, but not more per capita than Ireland. It's the other way around. Ireland is, is emitting more per capita than, say, China, as an example. So... What's contributing? What's the who's the main or what is the main culprit? Yeah, the, the main kind of um, sector that's emitting most carbon in Ireland is clearly agriculture by a long way. It's around thirty eight percent, give or take, in any year, um, and that has to come down. I mean, we we know the Climate Advisory Council you know, looked at our climate situation in the last couple of years. And, and there's still a lack of, of, I would say, political will to tackle the emissions got to do with land use. If we look at like the buying catchment as an example, the, the even the amount of, of stress that the water is under is coming from agriculture. That's the main stressor on water, but it's also the main stressor on our climate. And then, of course, after that, you've got things like transport. And in Ireland... We know we're an island. We know that there's a big road network. So we do have problems on transport and energy and other areas. But by far and away, the biggest contributor to carbon emissions in Ireland is, is the agricultural sector. And yet you see the figures issuing the other day of what it contributes to the Irish economy. You know, at a time when we're worried about foreign direct investment, you know, if they decide to go, if the tax regime here is equalised with everywhere else, will they continue to come to Ireland? And how do we, you know balance that you know it's a huge income it provides a lot of employment as well yeah and i think this is a really thorny subject that i think we've got to get to the bottom of when you look at the agricultural sector in ireland most of it is for export and you kind of think okay well that's that's creating jobs but for who and where I'm not so sure about the the, the kind of contribution to the economy when you pay off then essentially the kind of subsidies that the EU gives to agriculture. And if you look at agriculture as a sector, it's not really sustainable, the model that we currently have. The industrial model of agriculture that we have is broken. What we need to do is support small and medium-sized farmers. What we've got at the moment is an industrial meat processing plants doing hugely well, but small to medium-sized farmers are not. And, And I think we've got to fix that. I think we've got to reverse it. We've got to support far more farmers that are small and medium sized around the country to do much more regenerative agriculture rather than an industrial model that's contributing to carbon emissions that essentially is doing far more, I would say, damage than good. 
point well made. Um, well made. The, the transport. Let's come back to transport yeah. for a minute because that's another key one you mentioned there. You look at public transport and that and I see, you know, what's happening on the north side of Drogheda. There's a new town being built and there's new bus service which is great public transport going out there. But I look at the vehicles. I listen to the vehicles. I watch the emissions from the vehicles. They're all diesel, jogging. You know what I'm talking about. Mm. We've got to make that transition, haven't we, in public transport to more green transport. Completely. I mean, and, and let's go back just briefly to the North East Business Excellence Awards and, and the award that was given to, to Dwyer's, to Paddy and Victor Dwyer. We, we need to, to really look at how we do business. And, you know, shopping local, buying local makes much more sense. But what we've done evidentially is build these retail centres outside of town centres that increase uh, driving, that increase all of the things we want to diminish. We've got to, again, reverse this. If you look at Drogheda as a town centre, and we can look to Dundalk or RD or Navin or any of the other uh, urban centres across the northeast. We, we've got to kind of renew our activity in those centres and, and try to kind of diminish the need for the car to make short journeys everywhere. I think we've got to really kind of increase our use of active travel, you know, cycling, walking, making our town centres much more friendly for that kind of activity. And we need to increase massively public transport. But it, it seems again at the moment we're, we're doing it the reverse. We seem to be, you know, looking at more ways of of sprawling our, our population where there's very little services, where you end up having situations where people have to rely on the car because they've no other way of, of getting in and out to do their bits and pieces that they want to do. You're saying all the right things. Is anyone listening? Well, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I think that when you look internationally, things are changing. Um, I think Ireland has been slow to to really kind of grasp this that the the scale of the challenge that's facing Ireland in terms of agriculture transport and energy um i don't think we've really kind of you know um, I don't want to say copped on as a basis of the COP28. I love but like, it. I love it. It's a great pun. Yeah, yes. that we need to kind of really kind of grasp this, that it, the evidence is clear. It, this isn't a fictitious story. This is definitely happening. And the speed at which it's happening, I think, is outpacing our expectations. I mean, even if you look at the weather events this year, I do think some communities are beginning to really worry about can they cope with flooding that will increase in frequency and severity for much longer. We're looking at the payments that we're giving out to communities now, businesses that are devastated. You know, how many more towns and communities will that need to happen to before we realise we need to, to change what we're doing that's contributing to this problem? And and as an example, to go back to farmers, farmers right across this country are worried about their futures. They know from looking at the climate around them that things are changing. So we need to kind of invest, I think, far more in not adapting to a disastrous future, but changing the current reality in order to to diminish the chances of that negative future happening. You mentioned energy. We need to come to that. And that's the other big one here as well. You know, uh, produce energy and we, we load the carbon into the atmosphere. But we are making, to give some credit, progress there with wind, because you'll see when we've had those real windy spells, we're producing more and more of our own electricity. That's a positive. It's massively positive. Uh, one, one kind of example to build on what you're saying, Jerry, Airgrid are doing wonderful work around the country, but they're getting a lot of criticism for it as well. Because as soon as you create renewable energy, which we're doing ever more of, especially around wind, which we've got an abundance of, we need the infrastructure to cater for that increased capacity. And in order to you know, get that infrastructure, we need things like grid upgrades. But you can see communities right across the country, again, being resistant to that. The question must be asked then at some stage, well, what do we want? What are we willing to accept? If we're not willing to accept changes to our transport, changes to agriculture, what about changes to energy? But then you see some resistance groups popping up to that as well. So I think we've got to kind of maybe mature in our views that the, the future that we wish to see for all of the generations to come, we, we need to make an effort to make that a positive place. And like exactly like you say, wind energy is such a big win. We could do far more if we did, if we had a little bit more embracing of that um, approach, if you like. And, and as I say, Airgrid are doing really good work around that. Finally, before we finish, you're saying the right things. You have this sussed, may I say. You know what what needs doing. Many people do, and the penny is dropping more and more. Are we going to see real change, action? 
I, well, I hope so. I mean, I, like the action part, I think, is, is up to so many citizens right across this country to, to really kind of look for that far more, I would say, politically. I think the choices that we're facing, uh, you know, the, the political representatives that we have, I think, need to really do far more. And that's that's a cross party. That's not meant at, and aimed at any one party. Right across the, the political spectrum, we need to do more faster. That's the bottom line, folks. Uh, COP23 uh, starts tomorrow and runs until the 12th of December. Ireland are represented there and there'll be lots about it on the news. Development Perspectives doing a fantastic job, rightly acknowledged in the last number of days. And good luck to all you do in the new year and beyond. Bobby McCormick, CEO, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Jerry. Come on, kids, let's all make Christmas cards. And send them in to Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch Show on LMFM Radio. Thank you so much, Miss Ava Flynn. The call out for the Christmas cards. Look, Louise. Look, another little in-house card arrived to me today. Happy Christmas, uh, Jerry Kelly. Hope you're not on the naughty list. (laughs) (laughs) And that's from the lovely Killian McCluskey. And it was on my desk when I arrived in today. Brilliant, Killian. Ah, thank you, Killian. Thanks indeed. It'll be on display in here. So look, what we're looking for are children, your children out there, to make a Christmas card and send it to us in here on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And we're looking forward to seeing, aren't we, what the children come up with in terms of designs to make us happy, happy Christmas feeling. That's it. It's a Christmas showcase of your children's cards here in LMFM. We're going to put them on display all over the place. We're going to put them up on social media. And at the end of the day, when we come near to Christmas and the run into Christmas uh, week itself, we're going to select three at random, isn't it? We're not not looking for artworks. It's not a competition. We're just going to pick three at random. Uh, We give them all numbers as they arrive in, draw it out fairly. And uh, the first one out will win a 50 250 euro mm-hmm. voucher for Shoe City. I will get a, a Shoe City voucher worth 250 euro. What a lovely prize. And a 50 euro toy store voucher. And we have two more 50 euro toy store vouchers to give out as well. So get them to us into LMFM. You can post them in if you like. You can drop them in between 9 and 4 Monday to Friday. Or oh, there's a post box, little green post box Just outside the front door. Just pop them in there. So. Mammies, daddies, grannies, granddads, school teachers, carers, your children. Get them making this weekend the cards. Get them into us. Please put the name of the child, their age, where they're from, and a contact number on them as well. Please. I you know. don't have anything fancy. You don't have to go Not out and buy a card or markers, paper. whatever you have in the house. An A4 sheet of paper, folded in half, whatever yep. you want. It doesn't do what you want. Send them in to us, and we'll be just delighted to have them here for the Christmas time to brighten up everybody's Christmas in LMFM and beyond. So get going with those cards please now just to say well done to Mary Bourne from Navin who's the second entrant in the Navin Town Centre Christmas Spin and Win competition taking place live here on LMFM on the 23rd of December remember every time you spend 50 euro across any of the shops in Navin Town Centre you've the opportunity to enter the Spin and Win draw just prop your entry into the draw drum located in Navin Town Centre and stay tuned to LMFM to see if you're a lucky winner and one more thing about winners Listen to this. Noelle Duffy's 800 euro richer. She's in Navin. Mona Kiernan from Drogheda has 600 euro in her pocket. And Evelyn Lennon from Slane, 400. How? Playing LMFM Radio Bingo. Next Tuesday's jackpot is a massive 11,000 euro. Make sure you get your book today from outlets across the northeast. And remember, when you play LMFM Radio Bingo, you're supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre, who supports so many people across the northeast. Wasn't Bobby great, Louise? Bobby McCormick. He's such a yeah. sound guy. Delighted. Glued for... to every uh-huh. word he was saying. Yeah, he's he, he has it sussed. And, and that's mm-hmm. what we need. We need governments and people to, to really scary. figure it out. It is. Mm. It is because we see the, we see the impacts of, of these weather uh, situations. We see them yes, really bad we around really, here. really, really have and it's going to affect more people and affect our children and our children's children as well. Interestingly, coming up after two, we have a polymer scientist and engineer who'll be talking to us about plastics uh, that have a place in our world today. That's coming up on Late Lunch After Two. Don't miss Alicia here on the show. But we're heading now towards top of the hour at two o'clock with a Christmas song. It's Mr. Andy Williams. He's so right, isn't he? He is. Good on you, Andy. The most wonderful time of the year. 
Bobby McCormick was with us to open the show and as you know COP28 begins tomorrow in the Middle East and we had a very interesting conversation. Well then my next guest, I think it's timely that she's here after Bobby today because I've had her book for a wee while and it is intriguing. It's called Plastics, Just a Load of Rubbish. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch today, Alicia Chrysostomu. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. It's great to be here. That accent gives it away. You're from the other side of the pond or you're living the other side of the pond. But you have big trim connections, haven't you? Oh, I do. I, I'm actually trim native, but I've been a long time now in England, probably since I was 20. And I won't say how long ago that was. So, <laughs> it's all right. But it's a fair few years, put it that way. So the, ma- the accent is really mixed, really mixed. <laughs> and lovely, may I say it is too. You're a polymer scientist and engineer and... I've had your book a while and I've read it the last few days cover to cover and it is so interesting, so thought provoking. And you know the way plastics has got a shocking bad press, it really has, you know. But I have to say this is a most balanced book from somebody, you know, who probably has a big interest. You have, of course, in polymers and plastics. I I do, of course. I I mean... it's over the last few years, it's just been more and more. You see in the paper, you see in the in the news, you see programmes like the, the David Attenborough Blue Planet. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic programme. But there was an episode where they were talking about plastics and it was all, ah, oh, it's the worst thing that's ever come out of, you know, civilization. And I thought, oh, it's not, that's not really true. And then because that programme, and there were a fan, it was a fantastic series, but... People picked up on that point and yes. ran with it. Mm. And there was so much misinformation out there. And I thought, do you know, it's just not right. And you know the way it is. For years you're going, oh, oh God, that's, oh, I should write a letter into the paper about this. And oh, I should do the... And you don't. You just don't. And then, I don't know, the last straw came. I was... I was uh, it happened in the book. Um, I was sitting in a lecture theatre. I was talking to... Uh, there was a load of kids in. And I was there chaperoning some kids. They were watching a professor. And he was a professor of chemistry. And he was doing all this stuff. And they were, oh, they were delighted with it. And he said, oh, and when you take um, a helium balloon, because he was a professor of chemistry, streams t- telling them about gases uh, oh and they're on the, on on the, on 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 a string but now the helium is valuable so they give you a balloon on a plastic stick um which is now banned of course but at that time it wasn't uh, and he said and what happens to the plastic stick oh it ends up in the ocean they said and i thought oh my, that's just not true yes um so, you know anything that gets in the ocean is put there or it's mismanagement or whatever which i cover in the book as to why it ends up in the ocean um and I just thought that was the last straw. And I thought, you know something? Oh, yeah, the book. The book needs I'm writing. I want to write this book. Yeah. And I have to say, you've added uh, immensely to, uh, you know, the consideration of plastic. Look, at I, I, we were saying that Louise was with us a few moments ago before we went on air. And Louise was telling us her dad uh, was a shopkeeper. And when you went back then, it was paper bags yes. and measure out all the ingredients to it. It's never going back to that, is it? It's... It's not possible. If you think about, for one thing, the population changes. So there's so many more of us on the planet. So you need so many, so much more in terms of resources to cater for everyone. And everyone is going to want a similar lifestyle to what you have now. You need a lot. So, yeah, I can see the paper bag and it grows in trees, you know, originally. Mm. That's fine. But in order to get the tree into paper, you need so much process. And a lot of it involves chemicals. A lot of it are very noxious chemicals. I won't say all, but there's difficulty, shall we say. There's difficulty in re- recovering the chemicals from the wastewater after the paper making yes, process. Yes, there's issues no matter what route exactly. we go to. Yeah. We're talking about food stuff here, yeah. number one. And that's yeah. that's one section. You break it down into three sections, really, yes. in, in your book. You know that we're talking about the commodities that we all yeah. buy and shop every day, yeah. the engineering aspect of this, and then the, the high performance end. Absolutely. Um, Plastic bags in Ireland, you know this yeah. as well, we, we put a levy on them. And, yes. and that certainly made a change because even I go to the supermarket now with my reusable bags, but yeah. I pack a lot of items into it that are in plastic containers. Yes. In, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's, this, is, this is where it comes in. So if you were to put it in something else, you would have the weight of carrying it. You'd have extra. So paper is seven times the weight and seven times the thickness of the plastic yeah. bags for how thin you can get them. Um, 
So you would need seven times more lorries to get the same quantity of, of, of paper bags as plastic bags to the shops. So already you've got more lorries on the road. But then the, the packaging itself. Now, I don't agree. There is so much over packaging done. Yes. Absolutely. And like you said, and I really tried my hardest to be balanced in the book. So it's not to have all was plastic is great, you know, no matter what, yeah. that's a great. No, there, of course, there is overuse. There are areas and I will, I do point it out. But for, for instance, people are saying you, you're packaging apples. Apples don't need to be in a package. Absolutely fine. I, I, I get that point. The reason why they do it in the shops is not only for their ease of stacking. It's because when things are loose, you go in and you start squeezing them. And when you start squeezing them, they start bruising. I'm a squeezer. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. I, every time I go to the green grocers, you know, when I go to the loose fruit, yeah, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And the, but the problem is, so the UN have figures out and the amount of food waste is in the billions of ton, uh, tons. It, it, there is a, a colossal amount. So you, you've got to balance. If you have um, a, a packet of peppers or, or of apples or pears, or whatever it is, and you pick a packet you're not squeezing, you're not looking, you're taking them off. So one slightly bruised or slightly whatever. When when they're loose, you want the most perfect one. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. All the bruised ones, all the cut ones, yeah. all the whatever, uh, shriveled, whatever gets left gets left there. So there are implications and, and yeah. that's what I find in this thing. So we break it down. Let's talk again about packaging, the food stuff, supermarkets. There isn't an alternative or is there? Because you talk about two types of plastic, you know, uh, biodegradable plastic yeah. and pa- plastic per se that's made from oil-based products of that. Is there a difference there? Well, I, now, do you know, that is so interesting because uh, I have my mother here sitting here. Happy birthday, ma'am, for Friday, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> which is why I'm home. Um, it, you, we, we were in super, supermarket earlier um, and we picked up a plastic bag because we forgot to bring the bags okay. in. It is one, and I looked at it, it's a compostable bag. Now, it doesn't say on it that it's bio anything or it's green anything. It just says it's a compostable bag. The chances are, and I don't know for sure because we literally just before we came out, pick, picked up this bag. It, it's, chances are it's an oil-based bag because you can get oil-based plastic that is completely degradable. Bioplastics, what they call the bioplastics, the plant that is plant-based, there are not many of them that are your own domestic darlic at the bottom of the garden compost bin compostable you know they, they that won't happen it, it it can but there's a very specific type of bioplastic that can so here's the question could we convert completely over to that type that we'd all be reassured that any of the packaging in our supermarkets of that when we purchase it is biodegradable <laughs> <laughs> that is the big question. No, because also what the packaging is doing. Uh, so at the moment, at the moment in yes. time, no, because what the packaging is also doing is providing barrier for p- protection. So your salad leaves, they are in a protective environment. So there is nitrogen and all sorts of things. in. So you, you, the plastic that's used to package them is a very specific plastic okay. that's a barrier to I see what you're saying. So in, 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 in a nutshell, in one word, no. Right That's now. That's what you're saying, no. right now. But yeah. in the future? When they develop and as things improve, because there's always technological advances, okay. always. Okay, so that's, you know, us listening to you today, the majority who go shopping and buy their goods and shop at these big stores and multiples as well. As I said, you break, you break it down into three interesting categories. That's yeah. the packaging. Construction. I was just thinking about this and reading yeah. what you were saying. I'm thinking of all the pipe work that goes into yes. uh, apartments, houses, commercial buildings, shop, whatever you like. Homes, all that goes into homes. Uh, you know, when you think about that, what's the alternative to that? Because yeah. in those, in all of those is an immense amount of polymers, isn't it? Yeah, a huge amount. And again, like I said there at the beginning, if we want the lifestyle we have now, you've got to accept plastic into your life. You really do, because there is very little alternative to give you the scope of, you know, the the lifestyle that we have. We could go back to, we can't go back to lead pipes, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) We could go back to copper pipes, but 
that hammers the environment because it has to be mined, it has to be converted. You've got your ore that has to have all sorts done to it. And then you've got the tailings, like the one in, in Brazil years ago that, that uh, right. the, 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 the dam broke, Bosh. basically. Burst, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and flooded everywhere and contaminated the land. A lot of the metal processing uses really severe chemicals that... Cyanides, arsenic, and concrete. Like you really yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. concrete yeah. piping, yeah. and you in the book, which I was fascinated to read, the what it takes to produce yes. concrete as well. Yes. So you see, there are ills in yeah. everything else. That's yeah. the point I'm making. And then the third one you turn to, which is of interest to a lot of people, uh, motoring autos. You yes. talk about the tyres on our cars. Mm. What's the alternative to tyres in the cars, even mm. if they are wholly electric cars? Cars mm. are made. One big benefit is cars have been made lighter. You know, the Formula mm. One cars yeah. by incorporating your your particular area of speciality into those cars. I think of that as well. And, you know, when you think of motoring as well, there's an awful lot of it in there. What is the alternative? Yeah. And the thing is, with well, the alternative is one thing, but also you're thinking about, it because it's all about saving resources and fossil fuels. I mean, that is the, the, yes. the big question. Yes. If you are burning fossil fuels, which is what Petra does, making plastic uses four to six percent of all the pla- all the oil and gas produced globally. Okay. The majority of the rest of it's incinerated in one form or another for fuel. Once you've incinerated it, it's gone, gone. completely. So you've got your diesels and your your aviation fuels yes. and the petrols and the bitumen and all the rest of it that you have that's broken down out of the the, the crude oil. Plastics is the very top bits, is four to six percent of the very top so bits. So a small amount. Yeah. But in a way, the incorporation of plastics and polymers into the making of cars, aeroplanes, yeah. stuff like are uh, making them lighter. Exactly. So they consume burn less fuel, less fuel yeah. sending less up into the atmosphere. See, there is some positives in this. And I, <laughs> I got this from the book for sure. Come back to the point sort of where we started. I want to ask you about this. I'll explore a little bit more. Uh, the Blue Planet and uh, the children you were mentioning in the lecture hall and this thing of, you know, we hear and we have the impression that every fish swimming in the sea have plastic particles as part of their makeup. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that for a minute. That, is, that, is that true? Well, see, now there's the difficulty again. There's a lot of things in the ocean. Uh, yes, there there is some plastic in the ocean and all this microplastics that they talk about. Where does it come from, the micro? It's breaking down. It's, it's bits of plastic that's broken down. Now, some of it... Uh, it, it, it some of it is, do you remember, it, it's been banned now, but you can still get it in the ocean, obviously, because it, it feeds through from uh, overspill in a lot of um, uh, the, 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 uh, the rivers and, and um, uh, sewage companies and the water yes. companies. Yes. And they'll have overspill going into the rivers. So a few years ago, it was all this abrasive stuff and shower gel and the likes, you know, to buff yourself clean and I all know, the rest. It felt like a little grit on your skin. Uh, yeah, the little bits of plastic. So they so were they are plastic. They were purposely making plastics in order to provide yeah. that little or facial scrubs exactly. or things like that. Yeah. So, so they're washed they out were, yeah. and then ultimately make their way wherever out to the oceans or whatever. Yeah. And fish who feed on plankton and microscopic stuff pick this would up. Would ingest that. So that's okay. one of the reasons. So this is this is where the sewage isn't being properly treated and probably more of a problem in England than in Ireland because there's been a lot of news recently about these yes. you know the companies spilling out what they yeah. shouldn't be spilling yeah. out. Also, now there's a ban on those uh, little particles now, but they're out there. I mean, Mm. they're there. That's part Mm. of it. But you also get um, just the breakdown, the natural breakdown of of, uh, plastics with the environment. So whether it's the sun action or... Waves. Yeah, from whatever action, it'll break down. Part of the problem, where it originated also, is the fact that... Well, I I can talk more about England. I I don't think Ireland did it quite so much. Shipping out waste because you can trade in your carbon credits, etc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Shipping out waste to countries that just did not have the infrastructure to cope with that waste so the, the 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 waste would go to a particular country they couldn't cope with it it start clogging up so the five biggest polluting rivers in the world are those asian uh, uh, rivers, the big Asian rivers coming out of India and China. So sadly, people, this arrives and it's fed back into the rivers exactly. and it washes out into yeah. the sea and there's a huge plastic problem. And we yeah. are creating that ourselves. Yeah. We'll talk as a collective by exporting it to exactly. people and places that can't deal with it. Um, wet wipes. Yeah. You bring, <laughs> you devote a, a part of this book. Yeah. They're a huge problem. They are a problem. They are, I don't like wet wipes. Um, I'm not a fan. because Just because, you know, like I said, polymer expert doesn't mean all things plastic. I go, oh, it's great. No, I I do not like wet wipes. There is nothing wrong with a bit of cotton wool. Um they clog. They they do not break down. They're polypropylene based. Some now are more and more uh, plant based that will break down. That are properly properly bio. Um, but the majority of them that I have found are polypropylene based. Okay. They will not break down. They should not go anywhere near a toilet. Oh yeah, I know the <laughs> beneath the ground that we walk on, and the sewage issue is. Uh, a big problem yeah. where they accumulate and they're really like blocks of concrete when they yeah. when they when they coalesce and that as well. So yeah. folks who just send a message today, don't please don't put them uh, down the loo. It's a really really difficult problem. Um, I come back to the point of my reading of the book is that um, we are not going to see a world plastic free in any time soon in the future. So in other words, we got to live with this. We've got to, as you were saying a while ago, look at the positives it brings, yeah. reduce the unnecessary and wanton use of it. Anything else you'd do? If you were given the magic wand today for the world, <laughs> Alicia, what would you do? Do you know something? It really is. Look at your own actions and think, do I need all this? these things? Because you're given, you might buy a little chocolate egg, let's say, that would have a free plastic toilet. Do we really need all this? We, we accumulate, we just accumulate too much stuff. So plastics have let us live a life a generation ago, two generations ago, we wouldn't even have conceived of. Yes. We can do so much. We have freedom with the clothes that we wear, the, what, the, 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 the transport we take, whether it's with our own cars or on bikes or whatever. So much more is available. We go down the central aisle of of these certain discount retailers. We can buy a kayak if we want to. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, it would only be the rich would have you know yes. access to that sort of <laughs> yes. thing. So our our leisure, our you know, the way so of think, thinking. yeah, yeah, just really think yeah, about this yeah. before you 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 make the purchase or yes. or. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm very much into recycling at home. Yes. I am a big fan of recycling. If I wasn't on this planet, I don't know what they do, but that's a debate yeah. <laughs> for another day. I separate my plastics yeah. out. I make sure they're dry and everything. Yeah. Can I be reassured that it is recycled, that I'm helping? Yeah. Now, me's are really good. They're really good. Now, uh, oh, what's the phrase? Lo- loose, clean and dry, isn't it? That they say to put yes. into the bins. Now, they are good. Uh, as you know, like I said, I'm living in the UK. The council where I am, my local council, is not brilliant at this. There are so many things. They won't take hard plastic. They won't take this, that and the other because certain plastics are more valuable than others. So the drinks, bottles, etc. It's made of a type of plastic that's really valuable. Milk bottles is valuable. They can recycle they it. They love that easy. plastic. They love it. But they take everything here. They do. And what's, what's good is that they will then take out the stuff that they can make money out of and that's absolutely fine I mean that's 
that's what yeah. the, the name of the game. Um, but they will incinerate the rest of it. So you're still getting a calorific value from it. So you, they will incinerate and get the energy from the plastics in the same way that they would have burned the oil in the first place. Yes. So it's, it's had its life as a plastic. They're now using it calorifically yes. to, you know, to get the energy. Eventually, as the recycling methods improve, then hopefully because the infrastructure now that they are taking more and more out of you know our bins and, and actually doing something with it, that they will find a way of properly recycling to bring it back. So that whole life cycle is properly adhered to. I, I think that's so important because people, we, we've got very good at recycling. We really yeah. have. I see that you mentioned our lifetimes to see the changes. This is one yeah. thing. If you go up to the local recycling centres in Loudermead as well, you'll mm. see them at the weekends busy with people yeah. with all the stuff. But we like that. We often think, I often see when my bins are being collected at home, I say, I hope you're going into the circle yes. and you'll be yes. back here someday <laughs> as something else. Yeah. I think that's very important yeah. to have to belief and faith in in, in that system. Anyway, we do live in a plastic world, a hugely influenced plastic world as well. And I have to say, again, I come back to the point of the book of reading it, that it's uh, mind opening for me. And uh, you say at the end, draw your own conclusions. And my conclusion is that we have to live with this. We have to manage it as best we can. And I thank you for putting all your thoughts into this book. Where is it available? Where can people get this book? Antonia's bookshop in Trim certainly have it. And it's uh, on on all good online bookstores after that. Uh, But Antonia's Trim, definitely. Local Uh, store. I know. You you know what she's talking about when she talks about those online. I know it'll kill kill you to say the word. I I know. I understand that as well. Perhaps me too. But anyway, it is. You can buy this book online. It's called Plastics, Just a Load of Rubbish, Reevaluating plastics and its role in saving the environment. Alicia, it's been a real pleasure to have you with me in studio this afternoon. Thank you for writing this book. It's a real contribution to the debate, I have to say. But uh, great to have you with us. And your mam. What's your mam's name? Francis. Francis, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, weekend, And thank you for bringing her safely from Trim to us here in Drogheda. But for the moment, uh, I want to say a big thank you to Alicia Chris has told me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jerry. Now, you do know that on LMFM Radio, we are part of a campaign called 16 Days of Action Against Domestic Violence. And LMFM is supporting Women's Aid Dundalk, Drogheda Women and Children's Refuge and Mead Women's Refuge, highlighting their work and support services for victims of domestic abuse. I'm delighted to welcome back to the show in the context of this campaign, a woman I so enjoyed her company when she joined me earlier this year. Welcome back to Late Lunch, Priscilla Granger. Thank you very much indeed, Jerry. You're very good to have me back and really appreciate this. Not at all. And we have you today because you and your daughter uh, founded Stop Domestic Violence in Ireland back in 2016. And you've been doing wonderful work yourself since. But look, just to come back to the point of these campaigns, you were in a marriage that almost cost you your life. I want to ask you this, and I, I think I mentioned you before. I did, of course, when you were here. The man you married, the man you met, the man you married, was he fine, you know, up until you got married and settled down together? Yes, 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 he was. Didn't see the red flags, as I keep saying. I didn't even know what a red flag was. The nearest thing to a red flag I would have known was going to Crow Park. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, That would have been the nearest thing. But no, I didn't know what a red flag was. I didn't know because I didn't come from the background of domestic violence. Absolutely, my parents would have had their arguments within their marriage, but there was never violence. Mm. So I was completely besotted with them. Um, But hindsight's a wonderful thing. And then obviously when I got married, it was the second night of my honeymoon he started. As soon as that, when you think of it, Priscilla, like the second night of your honeymoon... It's hard to, I suppose for people listening today, it's hard to get your head around that, that everything is hunky-dory up to that point, really, until, bang, this happens. You must have been just flabbergasted. Did you think it was a one-off? I suppose when I thought it was a one-off and he promised and he'd never do it again, and, you know, um, well, he'd, he'd initially had blamed me, but then when... Um, he realised that I was, you know, I was desperate. I was emo- I was an emotional wreck, um, and I never thought he had it in him. And as I say, and I keep saying this, it's not so much 
the physical violence, it's the emotional abuse and the coercive control that these men and women can carry out. And I know this is, you know, for women's age and the refugees around the area in me the now, but it's it's the emotional abuse and the financial control and being told you can't turn on the heat or being told you can't turn on the immersion or you're useless or you're no good and the only reason I married you was because nobody else would have you and your mother and father hate you. And, and that's what they do. Um, I went into the marriage a very independent person, extremely independent, had my own little business going, had my own car, and I left it a wreck. I left it a piece of dust. My, oh my. How long were you in that awful situation before you got out? I probably tried, well, initially I tried to get out uh, probably eight months after I got married and I left. Yeah. Um, And I had sworn I wouldn't go back, but he wooed me back. It took me nine, probably between six and nine attempts to get out. But eventually um, I, I just couldn't take it any longer. Not alone that I think I was in fear and that I was in a dangerous position. My daughter was in a dangerous position. So it was time, it was a bit like a rat. Once you start hurting the young, that's when I started cornering the protector. Mm. And and how long did that go on for? You said eight or nine attempts. Put a, put a period of time on it. How long did you have to endure from, this one? From, from 1995 until eventually I got rid of him in 2011. Wow. 16 years nearly. Because it was, it was emotional blackmail as well. I was going to be homeless. Uh, like, who was going to believe me? Um, my child was going to be taken off me. So you got to remember, when your emotions are flattened and you have no confidence in yourself and you've been told you're a useless mother and you're being told that no matter what you put your hand to, you're useless. No matter who you speak to, hate you. You start believing your abuser. Mm. And, and you know, you said you were an independent, strong woman going into that with your own business, never experienced anything like this before. And yet this monster, is all I can say, ground you down and flattened you. As you said, dust you described there as. And yet... Well, I, it's, and that's what most victims end up like. As I say, I was a concrete block when I went into my marriage and I came out like a little piece of dust because he chipped and he chipped and he chipped and he chipped and he eventually I got to the point where I said one night to myself there's one person going to be killed in this marriage and it's either going to be me or it's going to be him and I'm not going to end up in Dokus to do life for somebody and my daughter being taken off me. So I had to make that realistic decision to get away, even if it meant me sleeping on a mattress on my mother's floor in the kitchen, even if it meant me having to sell clothes from the boot of my car or borrow money from people. It was better than ending up being dead. My God, this is just shocking to, to for you to recount this again. When, you, when you're in the middle of this for all those years, do, do does anyone close to you? You mentioned your mother, their family. See what's going on. Do you confide in anyone? Do you do you cry for help? What did you do? Um, I had one really good friend who I confided in, and like then I eventually told my mother, um, and my mother was the one that came to the rescue, and she then basically became my protector. She she then took no crap from him. She told him as it was. Well, you've got to remember, going to the guards in them days, and you'd walk into the guard stations, and I can guarantee you, some of your listeners that are listening to this now are going to say, oh my God, that woman is just so right. I remember going to a guard station in Dublin, and I explained what had been done to me, etc., the guard turned down and told me to buy a bottle of wine and go home and put my feet up. My so who do you trust? 
God, I take it that has changed vastly today, well, Priscilla. I would, well, I would hope it has. I would hope it has. Um, many people mightn't agree on all guards, but 90% of the guards are extremely compassionate. But unfortunately, we still have that 10% that they don't want, they're not, not compassionate or they don't have empathy. God, why would you go back? You know, if you can't go to the civil authorities, which you did back in those days, where can you turn, you know what I mean, to uh, to, to protect yourself? Um, th- th- you mentioned people, and there are people listening to us today. There are women listening to us today who are in an awful scenario, who are afraid, can't. They feel they have no means of supporting themselves. Uh, they rely on this person to, you know, uh, put bread on the table or food on the table for their family, a roof over their head, and they feel... I have to put up with this for the sake of the children. What do you say to them? My advice to anybody there, don't remain in a toxic relationship because it's not good for the children. Even if it means you haven't to leave the family home for a period of time until you get safe. Just don't do it. Build up your case. There are certain situations where it's very dangerous. We don't have enough refuges in Ireland. Yes, the Minister McEntee is staging more being built. It's not happening fast enough, Jerry. As all of the refuges that we have in Ireland, we've only got 21. We haven't got one for every county. We are really short, basically, is what you're saying. There's, we're way short I, of what's needed. Oh, my God, we're way behind. And unfortunately... I'm not blaming the minister and I'm not blaming the government. I am because they're not making it, they're not making domestic violence a crime. But what I am saying is domestic violence, the numbers are out of control and the government aren't able to keep on top of it. Now, nobody's going to say that out straight. No politician is going to say, oh, I agree with Priscilla Granger and Amy Granger. They're correct on what they're saying because they want to, they want to keep the numbers down. I can tell you here and now, the numbers are through the roof. They've overtaken gangland figures accordingly. Yeah. There's a message just popped in. There are others as well. This one's just caught my attention. Uh, Jerry, that lady is so right. E- even a judge telling you to go home and be a good wife. And she's also correct. Within the Gardaí, more training is needed because you seldom see the same guard twice. So it's hard to... Uh, connect uh, your case with an individual there. That's a good point. Two good points, isn't it? Judiciary mentioned Absolutely. there. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a serious situation we had a couple of weeks ago and we needed to get um, a certain guard the station urgently. I rang them 88 times and the phone was never answered. Now I have everything lodged and I will be doing something about it. 88 times and that's us. What about the victim that can only get to the phone once? It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And we are accepting it as society of Ireland. And I don't believe in what happened last week with the going out and writing. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is when the politicians are walking the streets looking for the next votes, or when the politicians are running the next general election and need the votes, that's when you start calling us. We're not happy with what we've got within our area. Victims of domestic violence, be it men or women, they are being failed along with children. Mm. Priscilla, uh, I, you're so good. You really are to join us today. You're founder of Stop Domestic Violence in Ireland and part of our campaign, 16 Days of Action Against Domestic Violence. It's been terrific having you with me again today. And thank Just you. Just another thing there, Jerry. If there's anybody out there, myself and Amy wrote a book called Safe. It's www safe uh, slash the book dot ie we're charging 14.99 it can be bought online and we give um five euros back to victims of domestic violence so far we have a hundred hampers going out to victims of domestic violence that haven't got food for christmas my that just is shocking to contemplate in 2023. Priscilla, we'll be back to you again. You're so good. Thank you for joining Robert, me on the happy show. Happy Christmas to you and Same all your listeners. And we're always you. here if anybody needs us. Thank you so much. God Pris- bless.
Bye bye. Priscilla Granger there. And just reminding you 16 days of action against domestic violence, supporting uh, Women's Aid in Dundalk, Drogheda Women and Children's Refuge, and Mead Women's Refuge. And you can donate on the iDonate page. It's uh, www.idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash LMFM. And stay tuned to hear more about this campaign over the coming days here on LMFM Radio. Louise, we're talking for a lot of the show today about, you know, environment, cop, plastics, etc. Did you see that? Uh, the first long-haul commercial aircraft, it was announced yesterday, flew across the Atlantic using 100% sustainable aviation fuel. They wow, are. brilliant. Yeah, the very first flight. There was no one on it. There was no people on it. No, they flew I it. should hope not. <laughs> yeah, just, just in case. Uh, just in case. Cooking oil and plant-based products, oil derivatives, it flew on. All the way across, uh, so uh, you, you could be on that plane. An air fryer. It'd be, it'd be like being at a football match and smelling the the burgers cooking or the chips, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you sitting an there. An air fryer. It's yeah. latest. <laughs> Don't laugh much, you. I know no, she I can't, can't laugh today. She can't laugh too much. Yeah, her, her ribs are I, sore. I was doing hot yoga Monday night, and it's only affecting me now. My ribs are so sore. There you are. She can't laugh. We'll make her laugh, folks. We'll, <laughs> we want to make Louise laugh today. Oh, me boy. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, you're always Poker laughing. Anyway, yeah. Today. <laughs> so that's the story. There you are, tied in with what we've been chatting about on the show this afternoon. Watch this space up in the skies. It's going to be more air flyer. Sorry, there you go. That's an even better one than air flyer. <laughs> you have it air now. flyer. You have it now. Good woman yourself. Thinking on your feet. Anyway, coming up after uh, three on late launch, a young boxer meets her hero, a woman called Miss Katie Taylor. She met. Yes, she did indeed. And we have our top five countdown. But heading up to news. Weather and sport at three in the company of Mr. Michael Bublé. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Let's do this on late lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number three from this very week in 1977. It's a cracking top five, I have to say, uh, this very week. The song was actually written originally by John Fogarty of the wonderful Creedence Clearwater Revival back in 1975. He released it and it did well for him in the United States. But it was when it was picked up by Status Quo in 1977. They called their album the same name as this song. And in fact, if you remember way back then, uh, Live Aid in Wembley, they opened the show with this song in July of 1985. It made it to number three in the UK. It's a real anthem for the world, may I say. No pun intended. Uh, Anyway, three from this week. Number three in the UK charts. This week, 1977. It's status quo and a classic, isn't it? Ah, you know already what we're talking about. Yeah, it's rocking all over the world, the uh, world from the quote today. Status quo. Number three from this week in 1977, rocking all over the world. It's a class song. It'll always be a class song. And I see Quo are back on the road next year. There's only one of them left, Francis Rossi. But he'll be there with uh, plenty of other great guys as well. They're touring again next year. That's our three. Two to come tomorrow and the big number one on Friday. They're all great songs in the countdown, I have to say, this week. Just saying to you again, do please, on the run into Christmas... And the holidays, shop local. It's so important to shop local and support our local businesses. Because if we don't, we're in trouble, folks. We really are down the road. So whether it's online, a lot of local businesses have an online presence as well, or in person, give them a shout. Shopping local, keep small businesses trading, local people employed, and our community tight as a community as well. So please do remember to shop local this Christmas time. Final break this Wednesday afternoon and we're going to meet a young local boxer who met Katie Taylor. Brianna Johnson from Chairman Feckin in County Loud is a member of Trader Boxing Club. She's 17 years of age and she's a fine boxer in her own right. But last week she went uh, along to see 
Katie Taylor, who was uh, training in a very public environment, and she's on the line to chat to me today. Brianna, hello. Hi. Well, well, well. Where did you head last week? Pardon? Sorry, where, where, where did you head to last week? Um, I was up in Liffey Valley for Katie Taylor's uh, public workout. Good on you. So up you go just to see her uh, and get as near to her as you could. How big of a fan of Katie Taylor's are you? Um, probably one of the biggest fans out there, to be honest with you. You, how big are you? Would, would it be fair to say, would, had she an influence on you uh, pulling on the gloves? A hundred percent. She's the reason why I started boxing. Wow. So you followed her closely. She was the one why you got into the ring in the first place. Have you ever met her in the past? No, that was my first time meeting her. For the first, yeah, first time ever. So up you go to the shopping centre. There's a big crowd there to see her, of course. Everybody wants to say hello to her, wish her well ahead of the big fight. Tell us what happened. So we were up there, um, up in Liffey Valley. Just There was always a chance that we could meet her. So I was in the back of our heads and I thought we could meet her. So we got up. We got a really good spot up by the barrier where all the boxers um, from the card were coming in. So we got uh, to meet... Uh, most of the boxers on the card and then met Bridget Taylor which is her mum and um, we stopped we got a photo and I started to get a bit emotional to crying and um, it was basically like I thought like this this is the closest I have ever come to Katie Taylor so then she uh, was kind of giggling and laughing at me and walked um, away and then came back and handed me the top she was wearing which is like uh, Katie Taylor's undisputed top so her mother, Bridget, actually must have told her your name because she called you by name, didn't she? Um, well, I said, that was the only thing that I could get out when I seen her was my name. Yeah, <laughs> my name. And so that was the only thing that I, I got out of my mouth at that point. <laughs> so your mouth was open, catching flies. You were that astounded that you actually yeah. met your hero, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, my. Just... Go on. Yeah, no, I, I had my mouth open. They, I was told that um, my there was words coming out of my mouth that didn't make any sense. It wasn't English, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 so what happens? You, you just lose the run of yourself. I can understand it when you meet the woman who influenced you to take up boxing, to meet her for the first time, and on the cusp of a massive fight uh, that she was yeah. about to, to undertake as well. Um you know, what a special, special occasion. It, uh, you watched the fight, did you? You watched the fight on uh, on the night, yeah? Yeah, I got to up. Uh, me and my dad went up. He bought me the ticket, so I was up there um, when she won, and it was the place was just electric. It was unbelievable. So you were in the three arena for the fight itself? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was there at the last one, too. Great so stuff. Great stuff with them. Well, the last one was so disappointing for her as well. And, you know, everybody was writing her off. What did you make of that? Did you, were you um, confident that she'd win? From the start, from, like, when I heard that there could be a rematch from the start, I knew that she was going to do it. Did you? I knew it. Like, I was telling everyone, everyone thought I was crazy, but she's going to do it, she's going to do it this time. It was some fight as well. From the very off, from the first bell, she just went at her, didn't she? She set such a high tempo and um, kept with it for basically the whole fight, which is unbelievable. And she done, she got her tactics spot on and performed. And you know, she's now the undisputed champion, right? Uh, what do yeah. you make of her looking for a third fight a- a- against the the English boxer? What do you think of this going to Crow Park? What's your opinion? Um, I think she should retire on a high, but. In saying that, she um, was confident that she was going to beat her last time. So if she's confident and uh, can really d- think that she can do it, then I think she can do it. There you go. Will you be in Croker if it happens? Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you will. What about you? You're an accomplished boxer in your own right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're two-time. So. You are. You're two-time Irish champion at 66 kgs. Junior one, uh, and you won the Golden Girls title in Sweden last year. So you're following in our footsteps. Would you like to be a Katie Taylor? Would you like to make it up to that level? Is that your ambition one day? Yeah, hundred percent. I'd I'd love uh, to be able to to be half, even half the boxer that she is. Yeah.
Oh God, even if you were half sure, you'd be up there. She's really done so much, hasn't she, Brianna, for women's boxing? Yeah, she's um, really inspired um, a lot of little girls, but also a lot of little boys as well. Like a lot of people just start boxing because of her. Yeah, and that's a good point you make there. I, I should recognise that. Uh, mea culpa. Yes, it's both boys and girls She she's uh, inspired and she continues to inspire as well. She is the greatest thing in Irish boxing probably ever now at this stage. I want to mention a 100%. colleague of yours, uh, Grace uh, Conway, because she's representing Ireland tomorrow at the uh, World Junior Boxing Championships in Yerevan in Armenia. She's in the quarterfinal and she's a four-time All-Ireland champion herself. I want to wish her well. You know this girl. Yeah, yeah, we're um, she's one of my best friends. Uh, absolutely amazing, and um, I think she'll be able to hopefully bring home bring home gold back here because I know she can do it. Yes, I'm sure she can, I, and I really hope she does. Uh, and actually, the fight can be watched, fo- folks, live on YouTube. Uh, and uh, the uh, links will be shared by the Irish Athletic Boxing Association on the Facebook page in the morning and also on the Trader Boxing Academy Facebook page. So if you want to watch Grace Conway in action in uh, the uh, World Junior Boxing Championships, get those links and you'll be able to watch the fight. She'll be in the ring between 10 and 11 in the morning and everybody at Trader Boxing Academy and us here on LMFM wish her the very best. We'll be keeping an eye on you too, Brianna. Pardon? We'll be keeping an eye on you and uh, your uh, <laughs> progress in the in the ring as well in the future. So there you are. The great lady has given you a top. You'll get inspiration, will you, from wearing that top? Um, I wore it uh, to the fight for good luck. Yeah. But I think I'm going to hang it up and frame it. Now. <laughs> Well, there you are. You can always look at it and take inspiration from it. Listen, thank you for joining me on the show today and we look forward to your future career. Uh, Again, we wish the young lady boxing tomorrow from Trader all the very best. Uh, Grace Conway and Katie Taylor. Watch this space for the rematch, uh, the big rematch, hopefully, at Croke Park. Good luck to you. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much. Not at all. Bye-bye. That's Brianna Johnson there, 17 years of age, from Terman Feckett and member of Drogheda Trader Park. I can just see it. Our hero. <gasps> Wouldn't you just lose your breath? Wouldn't you lose the, the run of yourself when you when she came over and said hello to you? Indeed and you would. Fully understandable. Anyway, Brian Farley is ready to rock with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Next, we'll be back Thursday 1.30 with your late lunch. Have a lovely evening. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.